worthless gift. You have to think back over your lifetime of thinking about uh, worthless gifts. Um, have you ever had a cat bring a mouse home and put it on the porch? You cat, you cat lover types, I hear those. I'm not a cat lover, so I don't, I've never had a cat. But uh, I hear people talk about the cat bringing the mouse home and putting it on the porch. Um, how about a, a white elephant gift exchange event? Anyone ever been to one of those? Have you, have you ever walked away from a white elephant event with like this amazing gift? It's something you've wanted your entire life. No, never. Yeah, never was the, was, was the correct word. Never, ever. It doesn't happen. I remember years ago, maybe some of you can confirm this uh, story, but I remember years ago growing up in the church and hearing stories about the women in the church saving used tea bags to send to the missionaries. Do you remember, did anyone else ever hear about that? I saw Willa Mayo nodding her head. And I always thought that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. When I went to Sacramento to pastor there, I remember the first couple of days I was there. There were three buildings on the campus. One, one we called the bomb shelter. Don would have loved this building because it was made out of 100% asbestos. Um, but it had been an old radar shack for one of the Air Force bases. And when the Air Force abandoned it and sold the property, um, our church in Sacramento bought that, that property. But there was also this little tool shed on the side of the parking lot. And I remember one of the men walking me over to this tool shed and showing me. And we opened the doors in the tool shed. And the first thing that impressed me was there was a rake with several of the tines missing. And then there was a shovel that was taped in the middle where the handle had broken. And, and I said, so what is this? And he said, well, these are, these are items that people have donated to the church. <laughs> and so... People would have their lawn equipment, their tools, and they would break them. And, of course, they weren't any good anymore. So what do you do with those things that are broken? You give them to Jesus. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, I don't want to talk this morning about worthless gifts, but you'll kind of understand how this fits into where we're going. Because we want to talk this morning about good gifts, not worthless gifts. We want to focus this morning on perfect gifts, not bad gifts. And so here's the big idea that I'm hoping you'll kind of wrap your thoughts and ultimately your heart around this morning. God gives good gifts only always. God gives good gifts only always. Can you say that with me? God gives good gifts only always. I don't know if you've ever doubted that in your life, but that's kind of where James is going this morning because James is on a journey with these persecuted Christians who have fled from Jerusalem and he's on a journey with them to correct their thinking, to correct their understanding. And so he began, as Maggie reminded us in the portion that she read earlier, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Don't resent them as intruders. Welcome those trials as friends into your life, is what James is telling them. He's trying to correct their understanding. Because what's their attitude been? The opposite of that. Just kind of like we struggle with times of trial and struggle and suffering, don't we? 
We struggle with that. And that's why James, uh, James says, God has a purpose. God has a plan. In the trials and testings of life, He wants you to learn endurance, perseverance to remain under. Because His ultimate goal for you is what? That you'll be mature, complete, whole. That's God's goal. And He's going to use those difficult times and those trials to mold and shape and, and help that to happen. And when you struggle to understand that and you don't understand what's going on in your life, anyone else ever been there besides me? Don't understand what's going on? You ever cried out to the Lord, what are you doing? Well, James says when you, when you find yourself at that place, ask God for what? Wisdom. Why do you need wisdom? Because you don't know what's going on, but guess who does? God does. And so James says, ask God for wisdom. He gives freely. But ask in faith. Don't doubt. Ask in faith. And he moves on from there and, and he talks, as the Pastor Oscar shared with us last Sunday, oftentimes what happens in times of testing and trouble is that we face the temptation to sin. We face the temptation to face our trials and difficulties and circumstances in life in different ways than what God intends. And we find ourselves outside the scope of His will and His plan for our lives. And when we are outside the scope of God's will and plan for our lives, we are in sin. And so, James is correcting their understanding because what do they think about these temptations they're facing? Well, it's God's fault. God's the one doing this. And James is saying, no, 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 time out. God isn't tempted to do evil, and God doesn't tempt us to do evil. That is an incorrect understanding. So, if I'm experiencing temptation to sin in my life, where's that coming from? Well, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. But what does James say? What does your text say in James chapter 1? Where do these things come from? He says, you're drawn away and enticed by what? Your own desires. Your own lusts. And James interestingly weaves two different metaphors together in those few verses. The, the first metaphor that I see here, the picture, is a fishing metaphor where the fish is safely under the rocks, but bait is dropped. And the fish sees the bait, and how does the fish respond to the bait? <laughs> Drawn away out of the place of safety and enticed because of that desire and he grabs the bait. And so James then shifts the metaphor and he talks about childbirth. And he says temptation is, well, it starts with desire and it leads to what? Conception. And that gives birth to sin. And so Pastor Oscar last Sunday talked to us about the fact that sin is a process begins with a desire and it gives birth and the ultimate result is death. And so James is trying to correct their understanding because these are persecuted people. These are people that are suffering for their faith. These are people that have been driven out of their homes and their places of business and they're scattered and they're confused, frustrated, upset. And James says to them, consider it all joy with you encounter various trials. And as you all well know, that's not an easy call, right? And so this morning, 
James is continuing to correct their understanding. And he wants them to have a better understanding of who God is. And so as we come this morning back to James chapter 1, I want to read, uh, picking up uh, where we've been. James says in verse 16 of James chapter 1, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. And so there's kind of four ideas that I, I, I'm hoping I have time to get to this morning. Uh, and the first is this, as James is addressing them, is he is concerned about them being deceived. And so he begins in this verse with a caution about deception. And he says the simple words, do not be deceived. Now, I believe, as I study this passage, you could just as easily translate it, stop being deceived. Because they were deceived. They were deceived. Now, it's interesting to me that three times in the last part of chapter 1, James uses words... Three different Greek words, by the way. But James uses words that are translated with the idea of deception. Here in verse 16, he says, don't be deceived. In verse 22, he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you hear only and don't do, you delude yourself. And that word there means a, a misstep, to step wrongly, to be deluded. And then at the end of the chapter, in verse 26, he says, someone who thinks he's spiritual, someone who thinks he's walking with the Lord, but he can't bridle his tongue, <laughs> that person is deceived. And he uses a, another word. Interestingly, the word that James uses here in verse 16, I don't know if you'll pick up the significance of this right away, but the Greek word would be pronounced Plane. Plane. It's the word from which comes into our English language, planet. So, the word planet describes those objects that were observed in the sky who appeared to be wandering in the skies. And so this word deceived is the idea of to wander. They have wandered from the truth. And when you wander from the truth, you are deceived. And so James is saying, stop being deceived. You and I live in a culture awash with deception. You and I swim in an ocean of lies and deception every single day. And I would 
say to you this morning with James, stop being deceived. A recent book that a friend of mine made me aware of is called Faithfully Different. Natasha Crane, who writes this book, talks about four big lies or deceptions that are rampant in our culture today. The first lie, she says, is the truth in our culture that happiness is the ultimate goal. Everything in your life needs to be aimed at making you happy. Everything you do, everything you desire, everything that you pursue in your life should be wrapped around you and your happiness. The second lie that goes along with this, not only is happiness the ultimate goal, but feelings are the ultimate guide. So what is it that helps you make choices and decisions in your life according to the culture you and I live in? This ocean that we are swimming in. What is it that determines what is right or wrong? What is moral or immoral? What is it? It's how I feel. It's how you feel. So feelings are the ultimate guide. So if you feel one way, and I feel a different way, which one of us is right? According to your culture, both are right. Because your feelings are guiding you to the ultimate goal of your happiness. Your feelings are the ultimate guide. Your happiness is the ultimate goal. And then Natasha Crane says, the third truth in our culture Judging is the ultimate sin. Have you noticed this in your lifetime? Especially those of you that are, you know, my age or older. Have you noticed how this has changed over the course of our lifetime? If I suggest to somebody that their moral position is wrong, in our culture that is the ultimate sin that I would pass judgment on what you believe or how you choose to behave. That lie is rampant in our culture. I hear it in one form or another every single week. Your happiness is the ultimate goal. Feelings are the ultimate guide. Judging is the ultimate sin. And then the fourth one, she says, God is the ultimate guess. Because we really can't know about God. We can't really know if God exists or not. And we just don't know. And because we don't know, if, if you believe that that tree outside is God... Guess what? You are correct. And if I believe there's an eternal creator God who's created the heavens and the earth with His great power and His outstretched arm, okay, if you want to believe that, that's good. God is a guess. 
It's a mystery. So now, whatever your opinion is about God, whatever your opinion is about eternity, whatever your opinion is, guess what? You're right. Isn't that cool? Nobody's wrong and everybody's right. And so you and I live in a culture full of lies and deception. And my fear is that so few of us understand this. So few of us are aware of this. So few of us sit and watch our television at night and go, Whoa, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's wrong. So few of us sit and watch a sitcom on the evening television show or a movie we choose to watch. And we, we, we don't respond to that recognizing the deceptions and lies that are there. And we're watching stuff on television today in 2022 that if it had been put on television in 1975, there would have been people arrested, right? But we sit and watch this stuff. We read the books. We read the magazines. We participate with social media on the Internet. And the lies and the deceptions just keep coming and coming and coming. And my fear is oftentimes we're very oblivious to this. These believers were oblivious to it. That's why James is saying to them, stop being deceived. You and I have an enemy, right? And Jesus describes your enemy with a phrase that begins, He is the father of lies. So, when you turn on your television at night and you watch the news program, you watch this documentary, you watch the History Channel, you watch the Science Channel, what are you hearing and receiving from all this media? Lies. But my fear is, we've just kind of gotten used to it. That's just kind of how it is. We're awash in lies and deception. Jesus said of our enemy, he is the father of lies. Paul said of our enemy, he masquerades as an angel of light. So, all of this darkness, this evil, this deception, is now presented to us as the the light of truth. And James would say, as he said to these believers, stop being deceived. How do you stop being deceived? Well, stop listening. I, I buy into that in a moment. You know, pursue the truth. So if you were working for the Department of the Treasury, and they were going to teach you to recognize counterfeit bills... The way they would do that is they would flood you with counterfeit bills so you could identify them, right? No, no, no. That's not how the training goes. If you're going to be trained to recognize counterfeit bills, they're giving you real bills to study and to learn. Because if you recognize what is a real bill from the Treasury Department of the United States of America, you will then be able to recognize the counterfeits. And so... Spiritually speaking, if you wanted to focus your life on the genuine bills, the genuine truth, how would you do that? 
Right in my hand, Tom. Right in my hand. In John 17, Jesus prays for His disciples. Not only the disciples that were following Him then, but as you read that prayer in John 17, He prayed for you and me too, right? And in that prayer, one of the things Jesus prayed, He said, Father, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify. Set them apart. Set them apart in Your truth. And then what's the phrase that follows that? What is it? Thy word is truth. And so, when you're awash in a sea of lies and deception, here's where the truth is. Here's where the truth is. Um, Psalm 119, where's this verse at? I wrote it down. Uh, Psalm 119, 160. The sum of thy word is truth, and every one of thy righteous ordinances abides forever. And so, these are simple words. Don't be deceived. Stop being deceived. But there's so much here. And I, I share James' concern for the people of God in the 21st century. We are deceived. And James, I I love this about James because he not only has this caution about their deception, but he also has compassion for them in the circumstances they're in. The turmoil they're in. The trials and temptations they're in. Because he says, do not be deceived. And then what are the next three words? My beloved brethren. If you go all the way back up to verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brethren. Now here he says, Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Why does he throw the word beloved in there? Oh, and by the way, why does he repeat that phrase in verse 19? My beloved brethren. And I think what, what James is trying to do in the midst of his if I can say pastoral concern for the people of God, is he's trying to, put, to bring some compassion and understanding. By the way, he suffered too, right? James experienced persecution. In fact, ultimately he was martyred for his faith. But he says to them, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. There, there's, there's, there's compassion here. There's care here. There's concern here. And I, and I love that. But he moves on from that to correct their understanding about God. Because they have a misunderstanding. Their misunderstanding was, we're going through these hard, difficult times in our life. And we're experiencing temptation to sin. And God is the one responsible for that. And James is saying, no, time out. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Now what does he say about our God? Every good and perfect gift. See, God doesn't give junk. God doesn't give bad stuff. God doesn't give white elephant gifts. God doesn't give broken lawn tools. Every gift that God gives is good and perfect. That word good means useful, 
beneficial, helpful. Every gift that God gives is good. It's not only good, James says it's perfect. And that word perfect is, is the word, it's the same word up above when he says God's plan in trials and troubles is to make you perfect, mature, complete, whole, entire. It's a word that speaks of, of something being, uh, it's, it has integrity, it holds together, it's complete. And he says every single gift that God gives is good and perfect. It, it comes down from above from the Father of lights. We'll talk about that in a minute. Can you think of any <clears throat> can you think of any good and perfect gift that God has given to you? Anybody got a good and perfect gift that God gave to you? Jesus. Jesus is always the right answer. Very good, Ed. There's a verse somewhere that even says that God gave Jesus to us. Where is that? John 3, 16. And, and what's that verse say? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Can you think of any good and perfect gifts that God has given to you? His grace, there you go, I'll buy into that. So I made a short list of what I could find in the Bible of good gifts that, that, that God has given to us. It's, it's just a short list. It's not that long. Um, and I'm not going to read all this to you. Besides, I cheated every page is the same thing. Um, come on, help me out. God has given you good and perfect gifts. What's He given to you? His mercy, patience, salvation. Is that on the list? Good and perfect gift? Huh? Is there any, any verse anywhere that says that God gave us salvation, eternal life? How about Romans oh, 6.23? What's that verse say? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. God only gives what God gives good gifts only always. God gives good gifts. Um, you're not helping me out very fast here. How about life and breath? Is God the giver of the life that you possess today? Is God the giver of the breath that you just took? You know, Genesis says that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. Um, we talked about he gave us his son Jesus. Um, do you know that when you came to faith, when you came to repent of your rebellion against God and your sinfulness, do you know where that repentance came from? It did not come from you. 1 Timothy 2.25 With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. 
We don't, we don't repent all on our own. Um, Tom, you mentioned salvation. I like John 10, 28. Um, Jesus says there in John 10, My sheep hear my voice. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Uh, that's an awesome verse. Um, how about he gives us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Ephesians chapter 1. Included in that list is forgiveness of sin. In Him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, help me out here, Victor. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Where does it go from there, Victor? All my iniquities forgiven. Yeah. God gives good gifts. <laughs> oh, where do I stop? Uh, he gives me peace. He says in Philippians 4, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, uh, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in John 14:27, "Peace I give unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." How do you find peace in this crazy, chaotic world you and I live in? How do you find peace in the midst of hard times and troubled times, difficult times? God says, I, I give you peace. Um, he gave us His Holy Spirit. That's on my list. Um, several verses talk about that. Uh, Acts 15, God who knows the heart testified to them, speaking to the Gentiles, giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did for us. Oh, here's a fun one on my list. You're all going to love this. Rain. Guess who gives rain? And... If we don't have rain, then guess who isn't giving rain? Uh, there's a whole bunch of verses that talk about rain. Uh, Jeremiah 5:24. Let us now fear the Lord our God who gives rain in its season. Are there any among... This is Jeremiah 14. Are there any among the idols of the nations who give rain? And the answer to that question is... No. Um, oh, here's a fun one. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about marriage and singleness. And he says that if you're married, that's a gift. And if you're single, it's a gift. So, if I'm married and my marriage is a gift, then does that suggest that my wife is God's gift to me? That your husband is God's gift to you? Um, anyway, if you'd like a copy of this list, you can come up afterwards and just take one page and do that and... This list is incomplete, by the way. I gave up after a while. Um, God gives good gifts only, always. You and I live in a culture that tells us otherwise. 
We are being lied to every single day. And, and so Paul is correcting their understanding about God, who He is, how He functions, how He operates. And now, now he's got this, this metaphor, if you will. He's the father of lights. What lights is he talking about? Sun, moon, stars. He, if, if he's the father of lights, we talked about Satan being the father of lies. If our God is the, the father of lights, what does that mean? He created those lights and the lights that he created create shadow and darkness as we circle around the sun, as the planets wander, deception wander. So in contrast to the planets wandering, God has no shadow, no variation, constant, consistent, always the same. Our God gives good gifts only always. They believed God gave bad gifts. He tempted us to sin. James is saying, no, 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 no. That's a deception. God gives good gifts only, always. Only always God gives good gifts. And if you believe otherwise, James is saying, you're, you're deceived. You're paying attention to the culture. You're going down the wrong track. And if you want to get back on the right track... Well, that's where James is going to go. Because in the verses that are coming up that we're going to be looking at in the next couple of weeks, he talks to us about uh, looking in a mirror. And do we respond to what we see in the mirror of God's Word? Do we respond by correcting and changing ourselves? Well, what do we do? Are we just hearers of the Word? Or are we those who do what the Word says? And so this whole idea of deception continues to, to move through the rest of the chapter. So, have you been deceived? Yep. Are you paying attention to what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're reading? Are your concepts and understanding of God consistent with God's truth that are revealed in Scripture? And the only way you know that is if you are reading the Scriptures, right? I mean, that... Um, are you or have you been guilty of blaming God for your giving in to temptation, for giving in to sin? Have you ever been there? Hope you're not there today. If you are, James says, whoops, you're deceived. How do you respond to the idea that God gives good gifts only always? How do you respond to that? Got to jump up and say, praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? So, acknowledge your deception to God. Acknowledge your deception. Realize, recognize, I have been deceived. God gives good gifts only always. Can you say that with me? God gives good gifts only always. Ask Him for wisdom to identify the deceptions. Commit to regular daily time, reading your Bible, meditating on the truth. Combat the deceptions with the truth. Meditate on this list. 
think about, give thanks for. God is a giver of good gifts. Give thanks to Him. And I think it's always a good reminder. We should be grateful not only for the gifts that God has given to us, but we should be grateful for the giver who gave those gifts. Yesterday on my bike ride, my friend Don and I were riding in Orange County. And we were down on Pacific Coast Highway in Newport Beach. There's a little cafe coffee stop thing there. And we stop and get a cup of coffee and a donut or something. And usually sit and talk for half an hour or whatever and then finish our ride. So yesterday, Don and I parked our bikes went inside and ordered our coffee and our donut, came back out, and we're looking for a place to sit outside the little patio, and it's jam-packed full of people. And my friend Don, who was uh, chair of the athletic department at Azusa Pacific University before he retired, soccer coach, basketball coach, he noticed this woman sitting at a table with a guy, turned out to be her husband, Mitch, So Camilla and Mitch were there. They'd ridden their bikes, little beach cruiser bikes, down to have breakfast. And she was wearing a T-shirt that said F-C-A. Yeah, F-C-A. Anyone know what F-C-A stands for? Very good. So do you have a camp? Is that what's on your campus? Yeah. So she had this T-shirt on that said FCA. And, of course, Don being a coach, and they had an FCA chapter, Fellowship of Christian Athletes at APU. And so my my friend Don will talk to that monitor screen. Um, And so so I'm sitting down waiting for him to come, and he sees her T-shirt and comments on it. And he goes and sits down with Mitch and Camilla instead of sitting with me. (laughs) Leaves me over here all by myself. And uh, anyway, long story short, where I want to go with this, um, just a wonderful Christian couple of four children, three of them triplets. And um, she was doing most of the talking, telling us the story of, of her four children, three of them in their college years, walked away from the Lord. And they were sharing the heartbreak of what the impact that college had on their kids, the educational system that exists today, uh, beginning all the way down in the elementary school level, where lies and deception are being taught to, to children every single day. And the consequence for Mitch and Camilla was that three of their children have totally walked away from the Lord because of their college experience, the lies and deception that they're being told. And uh, we had a wonderful conversation with them. I was, re- I was reminded as I rode my bike away, a friend of mine had posted on Facebook. Um, Mark, Mark had posted this idea because of what's happening in, on our college campuses now. He said it would be far better for you to send your child to a trade school where they could learn a trade rather than subjecting them to the lies and the deceptions on the average campus in our country. You and I are awash in a sea of deception. And we need more than ever to come back to the truth. We need to respond to James' message. We need to hear what he's saying. We need to listen. Stop being deceived. Don't be deceived. 
Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. God gives good gifts only, always. And Lord, I'm grateful that this is true. I'm grateful that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. Things that come into my life that I want to label bad come into my life through your hands for my good. Every gift that you give is good. Only, always. Lord, guard our hearts, our minds from the deceptions of of this culture. Draw us afresh to a new commitment to pursuing truth in your word. Lord, so often we let everything else in life take priority, take precedence over time in your word. And I pray this morning that you would speak into each of our hearts, into each of our lives, bring fresh, fresh conviction of the words of Jesus. Father, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. I pray that you would do that for your glory, for our good, in Jesus' name. Amen.